Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall, and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And home is where the heart is. Home <laughs> is so unique. Home is a place that the Whitecaps can play well. Because they've had a four-game homestand. They've done pretty well coming out of it. We'll delve into all of that over the the course of this episode. It it was a huge, huge couple of of weeks coming up for the Whitecaps. We said a few weeks back, you can't underplay how important this this spell of of games was, Zach. Four games at home, three in MLS... One in the Canadian Championship. And at the end of it all, the Whitecaps have come away with seven from nine possible points in the league. And it could have been all nine if a ball had just bounced slightly the other way instead of past the post on and, and Saturday in, in stoppage time. And they've booked a spot in the Canadian Championship quarterfinals. We didn't have a show this past weekend, so we've got a lot to catch up on. But this four-game homestand is over. What's your early thoughts on everything? Well, I I just got a hold of my hand and say I was dead wrong. Like I I I know I think you said that not not that you thought they'd get seven points, but that they needed to get seven points. Yeah, and I thought it was a must. Yeah, I thought there was no way that they were going to get seven points from those games. I did I did in the end think that they would beat Valor, um, but uh, but no, yeah, I am I'm a little bit shocked. Um, now to be fair, I I think they they were. Uh, like we talked about before, doubly lucky against Toronto with the penalty miss yes. and the the wrong call on the on the goal called back for for Toronto. But um, you, you need sometimes bounces like that to go your way or or things to go your way. And, Although uh, on Saturday we got a bounce that didn't go our way as the ball with Lucas Cavallini's head just trickled towards goal right. and then just bounced the other way. Yeah, that Bad was bounce. unfortunate. Um, but no, like they've done very, very well. And I, I, to be honest, Michael, I still not sure if it's, um, this is like, uh, the beginning of a run, like the end of last season's 20, whatever games it was, mm. or if this is, was just them, you know, playing, a, a playing above where they're at, uh, you know, playing above themselves for, for a few games in a row. But I guess 
you know, the, the season's about a third done or whatever. So time will, time, time will tell, but obviously Vanny, his staff and, and uh, the team will be very happy with, uh, with how things have gone in this four game home stretch. Yeah. It, I was going to say it couldn't have gone any better. It could obviously, because it could have been nine points out of nine. That's maybe just being greedy. If you'd asked me, because I said we had to get these seven points at least, if you'd asked me where the seven were coming from, I wouldn't quite have picked this combination of results. No. That that was That's the weird thing from it, especially with Dallas flying just now, but they yeah. have struggled on the road a, a lot this season, previous seasons as well. Toronto, you didn't really know what kind of Toronto right. were going to turn it, up. And San Jose was the one game you thought for sure they absolutely have to win or yeah. are going to win. That's just very, very weird combination of results. So we're going to delve into the, the last two league matches. We're not going to break things down minute by minute or anything like that. We're just going to talk about some of the talking points out of it. And where this all leaves the, the team just now is they're about to get set to to go on a very difficult spell where five of the next six games are actually away from home. So it's a good job that they have made the most of being at home these last couple of weeks. But let's kick things off just by talking about the Valor game, because it's the first of the three games that have been played since the last episode of the show came out. And we're not going to go too much into this one, but it was a 2-0 win. Russell Tiber kicked things off. Ryan Raposo added a second. The Whitecaps... Second half performance in that one. Some concerns for me because Vanny Sartini described it afterwards as they were a bit sleepy. It's like they kind of felt almost that the job was done. They took their foot off the gas a little bit. Valor kind of stifled them, but without really putting them under too much danger. So, I mean, they got the job done. They got that big monkey off their back of finally, at the third attempt, beating a CPL team that's all that ultimately matters, but it wasn't the most convincing win in the end. I agree with you it wasn't convincing, but I also think they need to be maybe given a little bit of the benefit of the doubt or a little bit of slack on this one. Um, even though, you know, their, whatever, $11 million squad versus, you know, Valor's $750,000 squad was, you know, totally outmatched. Um yeah, you're right. Ultimately, the, the biggest thing was that they got the job, you know, the, the job done at the third time of asking of beating a, a CPL club. So I, to me, in one sense, nothing else matters. I mean, yeah, the performance was not good. I mean, even in the for, for me, the, the like the first goal is a rebound goal, if I remember right, from Rusty, which, you know, you get you know happy for him and, you know, all that. But that's why he's, that's why he plays every week. That's yeah. what he brings to the team. And then the proposal goal was again to me nothing special in terms of like it was like a tap in for him. So I guess the, the build up play and the cross or the pass were 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 good, but it was yeah. not it was it was not like anything that was wow. And you're right, they totally did. Uh, I think the best way to describe it is they took the foot off the gas. But this is where I don't think they can be blamed, right? Because even though two 0 obviously is the most dangerous <laughs> lead in sports as we've discussed <laughs> in the past, um, it's it, um, they were totally comfortable and they were in this period where they were playing these, whatever, these four home games in 11 days or whatever it was. And I, I, I don't know, I had sympathy for them take, you know, taking it a bit easier in the second half, even though, yeah, Vanny as a coach will want them to have done better. 
it might have served some of their individual players to maybe achieve more in that game mm. or to get more whatever chemistry or more so more on a roll. But uh, the biggest thing is that they got through that with the victory. Only other thing really to, to mention from this one was the crowd. Officially 7,803. And I mean, I've seen folk ragging on... The, the team for drawing that to me i it makes perfect sense because the team had not been playing well they've been struggling they've not got a great record in this tournament let's be honest a lot of the fan base will possibly never have heard of valor fc as well and it's like, i don't know who this team is that, that's coming it's a midweek game it's a tournament. Cup football still doesn't really grab people the way that it, it grabs me. I haven't been brought up with cup football over the years. So I, I'm not overly surprised. Looking at some of the other crowds, like midweek tonight, we're recording this on Wednesday night after the Dallas game and it was just over 12,000. Midweek crowds aren't, aren't going to draw great. So I don't think it was too concerning. Disappointing, I, I, I would think, because I... I've said before, I love this competition. I just wish that more of the fan base loved it as well. But it makes sense because money is tight for a lot of folk these days. Yeah. I think they have very, I think this might have, was this the only, the Dallas game might have been, is the only or one of the, one of only one or two, I think, home midweek games that yeah, they there's have not, in the whole there's season. Yeah, not many at all. And the only you. other ones will be in the Voyager's Cup. I, I mean, I, the, I guess. I mean, to be honest, I haven't gone back and uh, evaluated how they marketed the game or how they spoke about it, you know, you know, you know, via their social media streams and all that kind of stuff. But uh, in general, and based on previous years, they've tried to do some stuff around helping people understand what this is. Oh, but yeah. I, I think they can definitely do more and I think they can definitely do better. Uh, I would say how, all, all the MLS clubs can. Yeah, in regard well, to that. I think even some of the CPL clubs maybe too, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, Montreal and Toronto fans obviously know a lot about the competition because they, they keep winning it and getting into finals. But on the whole, it's like it does need marketed more. I had a season ticket holder message me during the game and I was tweeting about it saying he didn't even know the game was on. But again, is that on the white caps for people to know that games are on? Well, but if you're a season ticket holder, you have a ticket for it. So would they yeah. look at their... <laughs> their account or yeah. Uh, yeah but all that matters as you said is they got through they're into the next round they're going away to to cavalry i had planned to to go through to this one oh nice and then i priced out the flights to to calgary and i was like i'm not paying that just to go overnight to watch a, a white caps cavalry game in the canadian championship so i'm not going to the game now but it, it's the kind of thing you'd have to gamble and book like way in advance yeah right? Are cheap, oh, yeah. when I first looked at it, it was like more than 200 bucks cheaper when I first thought, oh, this is going to be on. But you, you, it would have been a tough gamble to have. Our, our, our flights to Edmonton in November from Abbotsford were like, like I don't know, $175 or something crazy return. Well, the WestJet ones I looked at the other night were 699 Oh, yeah. You, you can't fly WestJet now. You have to fly Swoop or... Yeah, what's Swoop's, the other? Swoop's times were like way early in the morning and stuff. What's the other one? There's another one. Sort of that Flare. Flare. Swoop oh, no, Flare. sorry. It was, it was Flare I was looking at. I hadn't looked at Swoop, actually. Maybe I will look at Swoop. Yeah, you should check out Swoop. So I thought about driving as well, but 
a, a couple of my wife's friends have been going along there and driving with all the the damage that's been caused in in winter and wildfires yeah. and the flooding. Apparently, it's an absolute nightmare. And they said, "Do not consider driving." I thought so I'm you just almost watch it from home. I thought you almost said a couple of my wives said it's not. Shh, I'm trying to keep I, that quiet. I thought I misheard that for a second. Don't don't tell Caitlin. She thinks I'm going to watch football and VMSL games <laughs> on the weekends. Michael has another family that he go, only only visits at VSL yeah. stadiums. <laughs> Ah, live, living the dream. But that's going to be a whole different proposition. It's a, Cavalry are a whole different animal to Valor, especially at home. And yeah. they've got Meyer Bevan, former Whitecap, lighting it up, getting a few goals in the last ben couple Fisk, of games for them as well. Marco Carducci. Ben Fisk, yeah. yeah. Marco's doing well. We, we won't get too much into that just now, but that's going to be a tough one for, for the Whitecaps. Get yeah. through that and monkey well and truly off their back and then it's likely pacific right yeah so. they can have the whole redemption tour and that's get the first be... win beat the team that beat them first of all beat the team that beat them second of all yeah yeah so canadian championship they're through at least the quarterfinals we'll cover more about the the cavalry game on sunday or the weekend show we're going to actually record it on monday the, the next episode, so it should be out Monday night, Tuesday morning. Let's get into the MLS chat now. So, first game we want to look at, just very quickly, is Saturday's game. San Jose Earthquakes. Wow. What an absolute barn burner of a match this was. 3 all. So much drama in this one. Yeah, except for in the first half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So much second half drama in this one. Um, yeah, the first half was a pretty dull affair. Not a lot happened at all. You're even yawning just thinking about it. Yeah, I'm sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> that wasn't a reflexive yawn. Um, yeah, it, it was not not a great first half, but an absolutely crazy second half. I, I mean, it, that, it had that a second bit... half, like if the Whitecaps wanted to sell tickets for games... Yeah. Just sit folk down in front of that screen and watch that. I think that's half. why there was there was like the attendance was twelve thousand against Dallas instead of another like eight. Yeah. Um the the uh maybe it's just the score line, but it, it, it did make me feel a little bit of think of a little of the Kansas City in twenty eleven. Oh yes. Oh yeah, I mean that, that it was a, another good comeback. I mean caps take the lead, Lucas Cavallini. San Jose come back with a couple of goals. Ryan Raposo keeping up his good form with a nice finish. Then San Jose go back ahead and you think, oh, they've they, they've blown it. Ibo BC for me, I thought had a, an excellent game and I kind of thought he would make the MLS team of the week. He, he got a, a spot on the bench, but I thought he had probably done enough to, to earn a, a, a team of the week nod. But then Eric Godoy showing that we've missed him not just defensively but what he can also bring in the opposition box but I mean they could have won it as we've alluded to a couple of times already with that last ditch header from Cavallini that just bounced heading towards goal and then just went off the post the other side of the post and wow it's it's the kind of fight that you want to see from the team because they could easily have just put their heads down after going back down again in the 81st minute. But they came storming back and then they had the belief 
that they could go and win that. And I think what they showed in that second half, especially coming back the way that they did, then carried forward into this Dallas game on Wednesday night as well. And they've got a belief, they've got a swagger. And as you said, I don't know if it's quite that kind of belief and swagger that we saw last year that got them to go on that run. But it's getting back. I, I think that actually Cavas miss at the end is partly what made me think of the, the Kansas City game. Because remember Nizar Kalfan oh, in that yeah. game with a glorious chance that you thought could have, you know, could have been the winner. But yeah, no, I, I do think I do think even though you you know amongst the coaches for sure, and on some level amongst the players, that they'll feel it was a definitely a missed opportunity to to get two points more, or I guess actually no, get three points on San Jose uh and claw you know, work towards clawing past them in the standings. Um, but you're right. I think it, it was totally a massive boost for their confidence. Um, to, you know, three games undefeated at home and, uh, you know, goals going in, multiple goals in a game. Or if, it feels like a while since they scored three anyways. Cava uh, uh, scoring. Yeah, uh, you know, like there was there, yeah, there was a lot of positives in that, and I, 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 I agree with you. I think they took some momentum from that into Wednesday evening's game. Just touching on Carver, and we'll talk a bit more about him after we talk about this Dallas game. You can't touch him; he'll kick you, Michael. <laughs> he didn't get a booking though against San Jose. Oh, it's is that true? Yeah. Wow, I, I know it's hard to believe, but no, he, wonder, didn't, he didn't get booked against San Jose. I wonder how many people lost money on that. Oh, I did. I, I bet the house on it. So I haven't told Caitlin that yet. She's going to be, have to pack her bags pretty soon. Wait, you don't own the house? Yeah, that's that's the <laughs> other big issue there. But I thought that was one-off, if maybe not his best game as a Whitecap. Everything about Carver in that game, I liked. I liked his hustle. His his scoring, just his play off the ball, his his runs, it was the Cavallini you want to see. And he continued that tonight against Dallas with another solid performance. Solid but not flawless. No. <laughs> so let, let's get into that Dallas game tonight. I think one thing we can definitely say about this team, and there's a lot of things you can say about this team, but one thing we, we can most definitely say about the team at BC Place is... Don't leave the game early to try and beat the traffic because you're going to miss lots of late drama, it would appear, because they're, they're the comeback kings. They're the last gasp guys, whatever you want to call it. Came from behind. How I like it. Coming away with a 2-1 win. F you, Dallas, to go back to a chat of the old days. That's a MLS callback. It, it was great fighting spirit because I wasn't sure they were going to get back into this one. I thought Dallas were controlling the game well. They they took the lead in the first half, and we will come to that goal very shortly. And then, yeah, the Whitecaps pushed hard in the second, but I thought Dallas were in a lot of control until the Whitecaps equalised, and then the only team I felt that was maybe going to go in and get something after that was the Whitecaps, and, and yeah. they did. Yeah, I think Dallas came into this game because correct me if I'm wrong. Dallas came into this game with a. If they had won, they would have gone top, right? 
They were second going into it. Um, yeah. It was depending on what was going to happen with, with right. the Austin LAFC game. So they had a they, chance. They came go- into this on a nine-game unbeaten run. Yeah, and they had a chance to go top. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, I almost think you know, Michael. I think their go- their goal and when it came, it's kind of worked against them because I, I think they got that goal going to half, and I think like they were a little bit flat in the second half, like even before Vancouver scored. Uh, I think I texted you this. It was kind of, it was the kind of the white caps right now. And, and th- this is what to me makes me think of the run last year. It's like, if you don't bury them, they're coming back to life, <laughs> you know, yes. and, and Dallas did not bury them. Dallas, it felt like Dallas ha- ha- were always, were thinking ahead to their next match, you know, or th- like they, they, yeah, they, they they were not focused enough to like get the job done to finish things off, and Vancouver had new life in the second half, and I think the, I think one of the turning points was the substitution of of Brian Brian White. Mm. I think he came into the game for some for some strange reason. Uh, Vanny Sartini decided to play uh, Gutierrez as a wingback. I don't know why. That's crazy. Um, and- and he put in he put in the quality service that he's capable of, with some but, nice. Well, but the the reason that he did that is apparently the pair had a chat, and Guti basically said, "I can't play centre back." Is what what came across on the on the broadcast they, they or, mentioned at one point. Or side centre back. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> oh, that's good. They kind of agreed. Yeah, that was an experiment that didn't work. His best position is left back or left wing back. And you saw the benefit on the goal. Totally. But let us talk about Gutierrez oh, yeah, on the Dallas goal yeah, first. Sorry. Because that showed his flaws as a wing back. Because yeah. he was caught way upfield. And yeah. Dallas took the lead. Three minutes into first half stoppage time. It looked like I mean, the Whitecaps had kind of fallen out of that first half as an attacking threat. They started so lively. Then Dallas kind of found their feet, and then the Whitecaps just kind of drifted away. But you thought they're getting to halftime now. Now they can regroup, come out strong in the second half. Vanny Sartini was furious at this goal, and you saw footage of him then kicking the bench and anger afterwards, and rightly so because it was another defensive horror show. Yeah. What I'll say from a Dallas point of view: great transition play, fantastic by them. They did everything right to get this goal. They tore forward. The ball comes to Ferreira out in front of goal. He takes a look over to his right and sees Paul Ariola. Building his own city. Yeah. yeah. He had the kettle on. He'd grabbed a chocolate digestive. He was just working out what our feature interview was going to be. I think he was going to dunk it. Yeah. And then he ran over half the length of the pitch, totally unchecked. Not a white cap anywhere near him. He gets the ball. He drills it through Corey Cropper's legs. And that whole time, Christian Gutierrez had never appeared in frame. Yeah, that is true. I forgot about that when I was praising him for his offensive abilities. But but to me, yes, okay, Gutierrez is out of position, sure. But the, it's it's uh, it's also a bigger bigger team issue because you you have to be able to con- compensate when when you're using wingbacks like that, they're not, they're, they are going to get caught up field sometimes. Yeah. And so you have to be able to read it and uh, communicate and adjust. 
And yeah, well, Jake totally... had got pulled into the middle again, which yeah. happens a lot with Jake. He got pulled into the middle. Well, because he's yeah, he's not a center. He's whatever. Um, he got pulled into the middle, and they didn't have any cover or or the right kind of cover or help from you know uh, Rusty or Rusty or Baldy. Yeah, Cause cause that, that was the other thing I was going to say as well. I, although a lot of the the blame is on Gooty. It's like where is where was the other cover from the defensive midfielders? Yeah. And then just before we started recording, someone messaged me and I haven't had a chance to watch it back, saying it all started from uh, Diber Caicedo making a mistake, giving the ball oh. away or not intercepting a pass as well. So it, you've, from Christian Gutierrez's point of view, you've got to show more urgency to get back. He should have just put his foot down and just belted up that pitch. Now, he might not have caught Ariola. Yeah, but at least show that you've made that effort. What well, maybe he was just doing his uh, Matthias Laba impersonation. That that actually went into my head. I just when I was saying that just now, I was just picturing Matty Laba just sauntering. Yeah, this is good podcast material to demonstrate. <laughs> Michael's doing his Matthias Laba. You got to move the hand. The hand, he had the hand the hand movement more. <laughs> it's oh like about a silent disco right now as I watch this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it was a shocking defensive goal to, to give up. And I understand Vanny's frustration at that because I was wanting to to kick things as well when that went in because it happened so much. The marking is just terrible. But let, let's talk as well. They went back to three at the back for this one. I was worried when I saw it. And yeah. that made me more worried. I, I still don't like it with this group of players that it's available right now i still think it should be a back four okay the one thing i will say that i did like about the starting lineup and the back three uh as much as I, yeah i don't think Nerwinski should be starting i i i do i i was excited a little bit to see brown as a side center back finally because i feel like i don't know if he played there this year i don't think at all i don't think last year he was a center back hardly ever at all and I think he can be a great option there. Yeah. So I was anyway. I was just happy to to see. I I agree with you that I wasn't excited to see a back three, but the one thing about the back three that was uh, I I was interested to see how it would play out was having Brown as a side center back this time. Yeah, and like having Brown on the right side, his proper side, and having Guti on the left side, his proper side that was good and i guess vanny will say it was still a 3.5 because you, you you're expecting yeah. Gooty to drop back and, and be that left back which then makes jake the center back uh alongside a rankle and the, you... the reason for that partly though is because vanny has spoken that godoy can really only manage one game a week right now so they're yeah. still managing his minutes yeah which is... I, i'd rather they did that than he breaks yes. down that's totally. that's the thing yeah because i think the with, with his performance in the San Jose game, the excitement might have been like, oh, let's get him back out there right away. But yeah, it, it's probably better they play it safe than risk losing him again <laughs> right away. And don't don't forget, you need to call it a um, a false four is the correct oh, yes, terminology. Yes, for, for Steve. Um, I, I don't know if Godoy will play on Saturday either because Vanny has talked how much that the, the Cavalry game is their biggest game of the season to this point. And that's the one that they're really focusing on. So going to Charlotte, I do wonder if they'll maybe rest a couple of guys and we're more likely to see Flo come come back in at the back. 
but like Rankel just now he's kind of been the Iron Man. He's getting all the minutes, and he he's he's having a good season. I I've liked what he's brought at the back. I just hope sooner rather than later we can get that run of him and Godoy playing together. And then if Blackman comes back soonish as well, Blackman, Godoy, Rankle, that that's your dream back three. Then I think your your three at the back oh, can work fully. Yeah, I agree with you. Ranko, Godoy, Blackman it is it seems like a competent back three. Um can I talk about one other thing about the goal? Of course. The gift of Toronto's goal getting called back in that whole play, you know, has had the downside of of losing Hassal. Yeah. And this goal, I think, reminded you uh, of why Hassal is the number one amongst the three that are on the on the roster. On the roster. Yeah, whenever a keeper gets beaten down the wicket, as they they like to say, I believe, over here in Hockeyland. Yeah. It was not a great. It, I mean, aside from all the other stuff we just talked about, just how it went in was just did not look good. No, what I will say though, that goal aside, I think these last three games, Cody Cropper has been excellent, and or at least very good. And yeah. he's he's come up with some big saves, and I've got I've got more confidence in him from seeing him in these three games than I initially did when he came in for Hassal, and I was a bit worried that this was the keeper we might have to go with for a while. Yeah, I've quite liked what, what he's brought to the team. Th- that's fair, but I'm re- I'm concerned for them, especially, I think, maybe uh, against Val, against, not Valor, sorry, against uh, the Cavs. Yeah, I, I tell you, someone that I've liked the look of goalkeeping-wise is Ben Alexander. He's had a couple of games for, for Whitecaps too, and he's a guy that's come through the academy. He was playing with the 19s. He's got onto the WFC2 roster, mainly as the backup, but he's had a couple of starts. He looks another quality goalkeeper that the Whitecaps have brought through their academy. This production line of goalkeepers that, to be fair, Montreal as well, like Vancouver and Montreal are producing top quality Canadian keepers. So Ben yeah. Alexander's a guy possibly to, to keep an eye on down the line but, as well. But is that, yeah, down the line? Because it's not like they're going to bring him on one of those short-term loans and, and no. play him ahead of anyone else, like Bowman. But if there was more proper. injuries or whatever, for example, oh, yeah. I yeah. like I would possibly put him ahead of Isaac Bomer. Can, for, oh, that, that, would be, so that would be awkwardly interesting. Yeah. Um, but can they can they do that without, without using the pool, the MLS pool keeper or whatever? Well, they can do a short-term call-up right. again. Um, you can do that three times over a season without having to offer him a, a contract. But you, you can make things happen. It's MLS. There's magic beans. You just do things and things happen. <laughs> magic beans. So Whitecaps went in at the half, trailing 1-0. It, it was disappointing. And they, they were the better team in the second half. But I, I felt mm-hmm. that Dallas still had things under control. And then it... it the equaliser seemed to just come from nothing. But then this was his great offensive yeah. ability that he's got because he gets up that left side so well and he whipped in a perfect cross. And, and Brian White, and I had a discussion with, with somebody this week when we are talking about the Whitecaps and saying, I, look, have faith, this is a good team. The, this team is going to come good. And I said, oh, I have faith. There's a good team there waiting to get out. If they can keep everyone healthy, 
they can get all those players on the pitch and Brian White remembers how to score. He seemed to remember tonight because that was a that was a very well taken goal by White. He met oh. that cross well and the lovely flick over Maurer. Who should have done better though? Yes, I think that's fair to say. It was great service from Guti with uh, some help in the build of play from from Russell Tybert. Um, but yeah, I think even I think even Stephen Caldwell, I heard him say it because I think I had the sound on for this part um, that he he thought uh, you know the the Dallas keeper could have done, could have done a little yeah. bit better on the play. But Caldwell it doesn't matter. Was quite complimentary about Whitecaps t- tonight. Oh, that's nice. Oh, I, I should, in case folk are wondering why I was hearing this, I wasn't able to to go to the, the game tonight just because of some other stuff I had on. I wasn't going to make it down in time. So I actually watched this one from home. And I missed the game on Saturday as well because I got back late from the Provincial B Cup final and I wasn't going to make it down in time for kickoff. So I've watched these last two games at home. They've done really well. And Corey Basso called me out in the post-game show tonight as being a jinx. And they do well when I don't turn up. Yes, yeah, so you're like, are you, are you are you persona non grata then? I'm happy to stay at home <laughs> if they're going to win. Saves me gas as well uh, with the price of stuff these days. <laughs> but no, it was, it was. I will it, take it, one for the team and just stay in the comfort of my underwear. It, you, uh, yeah, it, I, I, the, I do wear underwear at BC Place. Just, it's not on show. The, the goal, though, from White. Hopefully, it builds his confidence because it was yeah, a very. Yeah, he needs it. It was a very Brian White goal, and what is that? His second of the year or third of the yeah, year? Yeah, second, I think. Okay, at least we'll he's at least talking, two. but I'm pretty sure it's it was just a second. But yeah, that, just that nice ball to the box, good header. It, it goes in, and uh, yeah, like you said, they were back in business. And I agree with you that uh, I just had this feeling like uh, they're going to go on and win this. Like, uh, see, they've they've got that belief in amongst the team that they can go and do this, which I think it felt it was lacking a little bit at the start of the season. Yeah, that was White's second goal of the year. Now, um, now the, the way they went on to win it, though, yeah. I was a little bit surprised at because that was a very, very foolish challenge in the 90th minute or 91st minute. There's a couple of ways to look at it. Yes, it was a foolish challenge by Cyril. It was also a very well won one penalty by Ranko. Oh yeah, the way he went down, he sold yeah. it. Yeah, he did this was... little turn, which I yeah. think caught Sereo by surprise. And then, as soon as there was any contact, the way he went down, there was no way yeah. that was going to get overturned. I, I don't see. I don't think you see a lot of like, like uh, Canadian kids make that move. I think that that is a very like football IQ. Like you've been brought up in a football culture where you know how to, and and, and you know and, how to fall. Yes, you know how to help the referee make the right decision. But but there, there was contact. Exactly. So like, let's, exactly. Let's be clear no, no. about that as well. As soon as it happened, I was just like, uh, I was just like, that can't even get overturned by VAR because there was contact. Yeah. So I was like, even though I think he sold it, uh, I think it was legit. And then I saw the replay, and I was like, yeah, there's no way they're overturning that. I think he. Well, actually, I should well. say it's it's VAR, so they can they've screwed up enough, they've screwed up enough times. Well, yes, true. It's like, but the white white caps and VAR at BC Place seem to be happy bedfellows just now. So <laughs> let, let's just keep it that way. But up stepped Cava, drilled at home. I didn't have any doubts he was going to bury it because he's got a swagger about him again. He's got that confidence, and that's 
that's what we need from him. It's like we ragging him, myself particularly, on this show a lot because we know how good a player he is. We know what he can bring when the good Kava is out there. The confident Kava, the guy that plays with the swagger and the, the good chip on his shoulder. He's got this hustle. He's got everything that that you want from a striker. We, we, we saw it when he had the, the great setup where he, he showed his muscle and was that against Toronto? All these goals are blending into one now. I and think then so. He, he scored against San Jose and then he scored tonight with a penalty and he had a, a great game tonight. Th- this is the Cava you want to see and this is the Cava the Whitecaps need. Yeah. It, 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 I, I, like, I think I texted you. Like, I thought he was going to smash it down the middle. Yeah. But instead he sent the keeper the wrong way and, and smashed it into the other side. Um, you know, I thought, oh, maybe he'll like rip off his shirt and get booked, but he didn't. No. Which was good because if he'd gotten one more yellow card, he would be suspended, right? Yeah, you don't want to do anything stupid to get yourself no. a, a yellow card and throw away time when you've already won the game and you know it, you'd miss the next one. Is it possible that he did that on purpose so he could rest for the, the Cav game? The Cavs game? I, I don't think he's, uh... I don't think he's, uh, I don't think he would be so forward-thinking to do that. Do you know if he did? I wouldn't mind that. Because I think this game against Charlotte's a tough game. And he's had this run in the team. And he probably wasn't going to start against Charlotte, to be honest. I think White was going to get the start. Maybe you're right. And if that is the case, fantastic. Get that suspension out of the way. Because now he can skip the trip even, right? Well, no, they're away the whole time. They're actually, they're going to Charlotte and then they're flying from Charlotte to Alberta. Yeah, because then the next game is uh, away to Sporting Kansas City. So that is the the winnable game with the form that that KC are in just now. So, What is wrong with your Johnny and his, I know he scored in that thrashing at the weekend, but what is wrong? What's going on there? I don't know. They, it, it makes you wonder, is Peter Vermees in a little bit of trouble? That's what I heard some people questioning this week. Has, but he's, has he taken this team as far as he can? Yeah, but then what happens? Does he like fire himself or like you know relinquish the one job and keep the other? No, you'd have to to move it on. But then it might be better splitting it and bringing two separate folk. And I don't like GM and head coach combined. Isn't that the British way though? It's moving away from that a bit. More I continental? Mean, like, for example, at East Fife, we don't even have a, a GM. <laughs> we've, we've barely got a head coach. I was going to say, can you afford it? Like a, a GM, technical director, sporting director? We've barely got a team. At, hey, at in Germany, moment. in Germany, they still sit on the bench. That would be weird. I yeah, think. your boss is sitting the there coach, with you. Yeah, I don't think I would like that at all. But anyway, back to Kava. If he did take that, that booking, then fair play to him. That is actually possibly a bit of genius. Whether it, it was intentional or not, squaring up to a guy like that, it's not ideal. On the broadcast, you can hear someone shouting, hey, ref, don't be so quick in the cards. Put your cards away and stuff. I don't know where that was coming from, if it was a fan or if it was from the Caps bench. But as soon as the ref had the yellow out, I knew they were both Yeah, they were, they were both getting it. And yeah. But Kava is looking good. And we won't go into it again, but he has to, to to be heading to Qatar. And that's good for the, the Caps. Now we need White getting like that as well. 
And then we need the two of them getting a run in the team together and getting that chemistry going. Then I think that the Whitecaps have a very potent attack. Well, There's a lot of yeah. ifs there and a lot of well, wins there, but the the makings are there. The makings are there in general, though, for a, a, a good Whitecaps team. Well, yeah. Plus, there's the other crazy X factor, which we haven't, I don't think, talked about yet, is the fact that Gold wasn't allowed to, wasn't able to participate in this game. Because I think if you have him yeah. cooking with both those guys, then you have yeah, a real you know, one, two, three punch yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Hopefully, he's back for the weekend. He should be out of health and safety protocol it, by again, that it's point. Just, so, so, Toss he, is out of it yesterday. So, Toss will be able to, to go on this trip as right. well. Kyle Alejandre is kind of doing light training and stuff, so they hope that he'll be back by June. So it's it's getting there. And ultimately, the, the Whitecaps just have to stay there or thereabouts until they can get a full squad ready to go and maybe make some additions in the summer. Who, who knows what might happen there? Someone else I just want to quickly talk about, though, that's impressed me in the last couple of games is Ryan Raposo. He's impressed mm. me on the pitch. He's impressed me off the pitch. Chatting to him after that Valor game, the desire that he's got to play for this club and to do well and to win and to improve as a player, it's infectious. And you can't sit and chat to Ryan without really rooting for the guy. He is such a, a great guy. He loves football. He just lives and breathes it. He watches he watches more games of football in a day and a week than I do, which is incredible because we're I know we're chatting about that. I don't think he's got to the Mongolian league yet, but uh, I'll I'll switch him on to that. So do you but, have to fight do you have to fight for him for the right spot at the VMSL games or yeah. He's small though I can see over him. So I mean <laughs> it, it, he I, I think yeah he seems to have hit like a, a good vein of form. I think the big thing will be can he continue to produce uh, both, you know, goals and assists and whatever, but also the performances on a consistent basis? Yeah. But what I liked, something that he said after the Valor game, was this is the last year of his contract. He mm. knows what an important year this is for him. This is his last chance to, to show that he can make it an MLS with the team. So he was very open and honest about that, and he knows how important it is to him. And fair play to him, he's rising to the occasion. He's been given his opportunities. He's taking them. He had a couple of long-range efforts today that just a little bit lower could have sailed into the net. So I've liked what I've seen from him. But ultimately, the team, we, we know that they're beat up. We know there's the makings of a good team in there. They just have to stay in touch. At one point tonight, they were off the foot of the, the Western Conference standings. But then... San Jose got a winner 10 minutes to go to beat Portland 3-2 at home. So then the Whitecaps went back to the, the bottom of the West. But ultimately, they finished this round of matches four points back from a very congested playoff line. Yeah. I mean, that's all you can ask for. When I spoke to Vanny and I, I talked about that gap, he talked about the, the four games and being eight points, seven or eight points back, and you close it by one point and every spell of four matches. So he's done more than that. He's yeah. reduced that gap a lot more already. So things are trending positively for them. And that's great to see because there's nothing that we want more than to be sitting talking about a winning team. It's like we don't want to be sitting talking about the team not doing well, 
But one thing they need to do is they need to fix their away form and they have mm. to do this quickly because five of these next six games are yeah. away from home and there's, there's some tough ones in there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, This has been a great spell, but it has to spur them on to be able to get some results on the road um, because if if not, these home results will kind of be all for naught, you feel like. And, and things like the... The two points left on the table against San Jose will become even larger. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, you, you feel for them a little bit because of the, the injuries that they have and the people that they've been missing and the illnesses and all that. And you're also, like, uh, excited for them with, you know, what will um, the, the Cubas mean for them? Mm. Uh, you know, but... Uh, there's kind of a lot between you know everyone being fit and Cuba's playing and uh you know the middle of the season with maybe other p- people coming in that they have to uh if not go on a go on a run they have to at least kind of keep pace um so they don't they don't fall further behind or like you said continue to trend in the way that they are by making up uh points all, all along the way but yeah i i think in this next run, these next six games, yeah, if they, if they, if they go on to only get like three or four points or whatever, that the, I think they'll be in a, they'll be in a similar similar spot to that they were before this great homestand. Yeah, just to round this part off, the the other results tonight for Western Conference teams: Minnesota won, LA Galaxy won, Seattle beat Houston in Houston 1-0. Kansas City did get a, a win tonight. They came away with a, a 2-1 win over Colorado. Maybe they're turning things around. We have thought that a couple of times already this season. From a, a Kansas City point of view, though, in fact, this is just a, a, a game. I haven't seen the highlights yet, but I, I want to watch them because four players were sent off in stoppage time in two different incidents. So actually three Ooh. different incidents looking at this. So I haven't watched it yet. No, I haven't seen it yet either. So that, this seems like it's absolutely crazy ending. So I'm going to watch that as soon as we finish recording. The, the one thing about Kansas City and San Jose, they both played more games than Vancouver, right? Yeah. Our game in hand is against Seattle, which isn't oh, right. the ideal in Seattle. Right. Nashville beat Montreal 2-1, putting a, a slight curb to Montreal's good run of form. San Jose, as I mentioned, beat Portland 3-2. And then the, the big top-of-the-table clash, really, LAFC 1, Austin 2. And That's crazy. They were 2-0 up. Vela brought one back for LAFC with four minutes to go. But Austin, sitting top of the pile in the West now, 23 points from the 12 matches played, tied with LAFC, but they've just got the, the tiebreaker because they, they've got the, the better goal. goal. Well, goals for uh, and goal difference uh, is best for Austin just now. So looking at the Western Conference standings, Austin top, LAFC second, Dallas third on 22 points, LA Galaxy fourth on 20, Salt Lake fifth on 19, Nashville sixth on 18, and then a logjam. Colorado sit... In the seventh and final playoff spot right now with 15 points from the 12 games. But also in 15, you've got Houston, Minnesota and Portland. Seattle are on 13 with two games in hand. San Jose's now got themselves up to 13. 
Kansas City's on 12, and Vancouver have got 11. All still to play for. We're about a third of the way through the the season, just over for for some of the teams. Who knows what's going to lie in store, but all, all Vancouver really needed to do in this run was get themselves back in the mix, keep in touch with those above them. They've done that. Let's hope they can build on it now. Hmm. But that is it for our Whitecaps chat. We're going to be turning our attention to League One BC in the next two parts of the show as we're going to sit down for a chat with TSS Rovers head coaches on the men's and the women's side and I'm going to give you some of my League One BC power rankings as well. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Lucas Cavallini. You're listening to the AFD Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of May from Chicago, Illinois, three-piece band called Horse Girl. That is a song taken from their debut single, Ballroom Dance Scene, etc, etc. That was Sea Life Sandwich Boy, released in 2020. You can check out all their stuff in all the usual places. You can support them on Bandcamp by visiting thisishorsegirl.bandcamp.com And if you really enjoy them and you've enjoyed what we've played for you so far, you can go and see them live in Vancouver at the Wise Hall on Friday, July 15th. I've got my ticket for that. Why don't you do yourself a treat and go and see them? So we're going to move away now from our Whitecaps MLS Canadian Championship chat to a league that hopefully one day will be providing representatives into the Canadian Championship, and that is League One BC. Yes, the inaugural League One B season gets underway on Sunday. Six games taking place over the long weekend, all of them on Sunday, May 22nd. Three on the men's side, three on the women's side. The action kicks off here in Vancouver, up at UBC, 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Vancouver Whitecaps Academy, the Rex Elite on the girls' side, are taking on Victoria Highlanders women's team. The men's teams then battle it out at 3.30. Over in Kamloops at Hillside Stadium, it's Rivers FC 
taking on Altitude FC. The women's game kicks those things off at 2 o'clock, 4.30 for the men's side at Hillside Stadium. And then in Burnaby, it's TSS Rovers taking on Unity FC. The women go at 3 o'clock, the men at 5.30. If you missed the social media announcements, AFTN will be providing the broadcasting for four teams in League 1 BC this season. TSS Rovers, Altitude FC, Varsity FC and Vancouver Whitecaps as well. There's a few overlaps, which means that Gideon and myself won't be in the booth for all the games together. Sunday, for example, I am doing the Whitecaps game and Gideon will be doing the TSS game. I do hope to make it along to Swan Guard, though, for the tail end of the men's match. And check out all our coverage of the league so far over on AFTN.ca. We've been profiling the coaches for all the teams, looking at the stadiums and a little ground hopping tour. We've got some more of those still to come. We've been breaking down the rosters. We kicked things off with the TSS men's roster. We're doing the Whitecaps under 19 on the men's side just now as well. And we'll have a lot more coverage to come over the course of the season. Continuing now on the podcast, as we're going to bring you a couple of interviews with some of the coaches that will be taking teams in League One BC this season. We're starting with TSS, the club we've been proud to be a media partner of since 2017. Leading the men's team for TSS Rovers this year is Will Cromack. He was the head coach for the team in their last USL League Two season in 2019. The 2020 and 2021 seasons obviously severely disrupted and curtailed due to COVID. But he's back in the dugout for 2022. Got a chance to sit down with him on Wednesday afternoon just to look at how the pre-season prep has been going, what we can expect from the team this year, any players to watch and a lot more beside as well. So go stick the kettle on. Grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy our chat with TSS Rovers men's head coach, Will Cromack. So delighted now to be joined by Will Cromack, head coach of TSS Rovers men's side for the League One BC season that kicks off on Sunday. It's been a hectic few weeks for you, I can imagine, hectic few months. Uh, I mean, how's the team looking, do you feel, heading into this season opener now against Unity? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's been, everybody's been squeezed, right? Because we go from a pandemic into a, into a it's going to happen. So everybody's got to get their people and find players and uh, make it happen. Some of these teams have um, reasonably established rosters. And I think that's what we're up against. But our team... Um, yeah, it looks it looks a pretty attacking unit if I'm being honest, uh, and I like I like that. You know, we want to play and uh, uh, put people in position to uh, show their best. So I'm um, quietly confident, but I've done this before, and uh, one injury here, one injury there, and all of a sudden you're in a tailspin. Um, so, but quietly confident that we have a nice unit, and certainly the training caliber has been really really good from man one the, all the way down so I, I i'm i'm really happy with that yeah i was going to ask you about the, the roster you've got one of the bigger rosters in the the league but your experience previously in pdl shows how quickly things can sort of go awry 
At the yeah. same time, though, how do you keep everyone happy? Because it's only 12 games. How do you make sure everyone gets the minutes that they need? Yeah, so I think the the sort of, there might be a misinterpretation when you count numbers alone, but we, we have a number of um, our own uh, who were ball boys, believe it or not, in our first ever match, um, 2003s. Uh, that came through uh, lit- literally Mama's Boys, if you remember those. Um, yeah. They were sitting on the sideline, are now in our mix. Uh, you know, some have had 30 minutes at university level, that their first season ever uh, playing in, in that type of environment. Some have had 90 minutes, some have had red shirting. So we have probably have nine, 10 guys in the 2003-2004 mix where, you know, they're, they're aware that the, the, the spots are limited. But um, the truth is they're there to taste the water, uh, provide some impetus in the training environment and become um, stalwarts year two, three, four as they move through university. So, you know, you you instantly look at 10 guys that are um, providing, you know, massive training upswing and and help. Um, But they're they're aware of what the environment looks like at the top end of our roster. And, um, you know, we're trying to learn. So just like we've had in the past, uh, making sure there's young guys um, sucking in as much of the environment as possible to um, to you know then become the anchors as, as we move through this. Yeah, the the roster that you've put together. Uh, obviously, I did a breakdown of it on the site, and there's some really exciting pieces there in, in all aspects of the field. And you touched on it earlier. There, it's for want of a better word, it's a mishmash because you've got a bulk of guys from SFU, you've got a bulk of guys from the Cascades, you've got guys that you've known before that's played with the team, they've played together with FC Tigers, you've got guys that's coming back from university, but you're going up against squads, I mean, call it what it is, it's UBC, it's Trinity Western, it's guys that's played together for for years, and in in the case of Varsity, They've just had a VMSL season under the belt as well with, with Hibernian. Yeah. Is it going to be difficult, do you feel, in the early going? Or do you think the training that you've had, the preseason games you had, that you are in a position to be really level with them straight off the bat? I think man for man, we always are. I think the other thing you got to remember is, um, you know, while we say we have a big squad because we're one unit, there's uh, both of these teams you just mentioned. Um, have multiple teams in the layers of the VMSL and otherwise, um, and they're trying to look at players for their next season uh, in university. So, and they're adding players, um, which does disrupt their apple cart a little bit. Um, so, you know, I think most teams will be in the same boat, kind of walking through this. They will have certainly more gel, I think, and more comprehension of a playing style, um, which will be our challenge. And always is for every every club and every team out there. But man for man, I mean, a lot of these guys, you know, six, seven, eight Tigers type players. That's a few guys that have been together um, in past years. And let's let's kind of use the analogy of a, a Spanish national team that you know they came together, and when they won, they were, they had a large majority from multiple teams. And they put them together and came together. So, you know, hopefully we can pull off a national team type of vibe. Um, you know, that, that's got to be our way to do it because we don't really have eight, ten months to have worked together. But I think we have some good level heads at the top end of our um, roster that will, will help us get started out on, on the right foot. Now, 
just to not delve into every single position and every single player and stuff like that, otherwise it'll be a very long chat. Looking at, at the back, in goal, Justin Sandu, he's going to be going to, to SFU this coming year. He's got a lot of experience. The, I haven't been out to training as much as I wanted, but watching him at training, he looks like a goalkeeper that's very good with the ball at his feet in particular. Yep. Yeah, we uh, we were looking for that. Uh, of course, we know his dad because he played with him. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, all the keepers that we have are are adept with their feet. That's the idea. Um, certainly, I don't think there's a team out there that doesn't know how uh, a TSS Rovers team wants to play. Um, but having distribution from your keeper is the start of attacks. So yeah, he's, he's, he, he's certainly good with both feet. And I think that's an asset to him. Now, you've got a lot of guys from FC Tigers. They've just been in the, the Provincial Cup final. They've had a, a treble winning year in the Fraser Valley. So you've got C-Mac, you've got Eric, you've got Gabe, you've got Ali Zohar, um, Ivan. Ivan. So, I mean, that kind of chemistry that they've got, that must be invaluable to you, like straight off the bat. And then mixing, like obviously Ali's a, a SFU, so he's got the chemistry then with the guys there as well. And I would also say, you know, Mark Talasuna and oh, Kyle and yeah. Ali have all, all played together. Um, and the other thing that's going for us in, in one sense, you know, beyond that kind of chemistry that's there is um, we've got a few UFE guys uh, who've all been together, plus some from the past, including T-Mac himself and Daniel Davidson. Um, but, you know, Adam Day was with us a couple of seasons. So, you know, we're, we, we know kind of where he sits in terms of what he's demanded of um the Tigers in that sense. Yeah, I mean, it's all, it's all, it's all a bit hearsay as well, right? Like, hopefully they're gelled together. They're, they're aware of what we're doing. We're not, we're not going to change much in a few weeks of preseason of who these, who these players are. We're just simply yeah. trying to add value and, and, you know, quite frankly, what we tried to help guys like the Polices and Jordan Haynes and Waterman with, which is, exposure to the upper level in a style of play that they can demonstrate their best qualities and that's that's my job is to help them remain humble um and aware that they got to reach and so i think there's enough to say that we have um guys that recognize their place in the world there there's not a ton of attitudes on our team um and i really like that from a character standpoint but there's enough mavericks to say that when you show up to swan guard and you know crack a tin of trash panda you're going to watch some fun attacking soccer so that, that that's what we're really excited about is our owners and our supporters are coming out to watch some good soccer yeah i i don't want to like speak too much about individual players just yet before the the season yeah. gets underway but i do want to talk about one that you mentioned there mark talisuna now yeah. i've watched a lot of him play this year with bb5 i've watched him at sfu when he's come on in the VMSL games that I've seen, he's like changed games. He runs the midfield. He just seems a guy that's got a a lot of potential to go really far. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, when I watched the CPL in early years and uh, the very first year, it was a guy named Sissoko on Halifax that covered tons of ground, young Canadian guy, 25. He seems a lot like him. Um, <clears throat> he's got a bit of that Conte type of person to him right he can break up stuff but still has enough to, to go forward i truly box the box guy when you add in um some awareness you know ali knows how he plays um 
you know, Anthony Vega is a, is a guy that can sweep around as well, gives Mark some freedom to go. And then, of course, Kyle Jones, um, who I think should be in the CPL already, uh, but for a few injuries, there's some there's some pieces there that have played together, but we'll kind of be aware of each other. But yeah, Mark is a really, really good player and um, a really, really good guy. And I think that bodes well for him and um, the next step in his life. The 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 club's had an under twenty one team in the Fraser Valley this season. You had a really good season. You you finished second. I, does that get you promoted, or I don't know how it works out in the valley. Things are very strange out in the valley. But <laughs> I'm not what? sure we want to be promoted because all of a sudden we lose guys and we have to start with the next younger age. So at the oh, end of the day, our job yeah. is to taste the waters and make sure they know how to push against the construction worker and. Uh, and then move into the League One uh, stuff, right? Yeah, I was going to say, though, how how important is that team to, to the whole philosophy of the club and the development of these guys from the academy level up as the pathway into League One team? Massive, massive. I mean, uh, we got guys coming back from university that are already signed uh, with that team, playing the Spring League in the, uh, for, you know, they only, there's only one division, so uh, in the spring. Um, that gives us a, a, a feeder system. Uh, the the birth of our U11 teams all the way now through to this Fraser Valley and then into League One and as League One expands its um, uh, footprint meaning you know going from 12 games to 24 games type of thing um, it'll be enormous and um, yeah when we like I said the start of this conversation when we built this we built it for those 2003s that were coming through and um, you know from ball boys to to signing with the team. And then being showcased to the next level uh, called CPL and beyond um, is absolutely the exact thing we dreamed up on a napkin, uh, hoping that others would come along. And of course, we were going on our own down to Eugene and you know, sat, you know, Salem and all these places. But yeah. 100%, it is is critical to the, the ability to get minutes because if you're not playing 90 minutes at League One and you can get that time, but you can get a few minutes and you can start tasting the training environment, um, every year just gets better and better and better. Because two of those guys that I'm really excited to see, Liam McGowan and Jack Clough, because they were banging the goals in, uh, mm-hmm. in the Fraser Valley. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to seeing then what, how they get tested at this next level. But I would imagine these are guys that you're talking about might just be coming off the bench, getting some minutes here or there. You don't want to throw them in right away? 100%. Yeah, and I mean, you have to be able that. You have to be able to, the intensity ratchets up. So we just talked about some players. Now let's just pick on Mark again, you know. Uh, you have to be able to handle everybody's Mark. Uh, everybody's, every team's got a Tommy Gardner, uh, you know. Uh, we've got Ellie Jindo playing at Unity. Like, these are, these are proper players. They're really good guys, really quality. So, you know, our job is to have, see what they're like in the training environment, to tell them that's the level. Uh, invite them to go back to their universities or new schools and stuff and get more minutes, come back into the fold. Um, so, I mean, it's really not a race, it, it, but it's, it's showing them what's possible um, and, and, you know, making sure that they know because the training environment is so quality that that's what they're up against and that's the level. Um, we're never comparing them to each other and we're never, you know, what they're, what they're doing in their Fraser Valley League. We're comparing them to the next level or beyond. Where do you want to go? that's where you got to compare yourself to. So really good players. I mean, I would say to you that the the number one thing I've been happiest with is that those 2003s that have been trained through our system 
don't look out of place. And the fundamentals they've been taught are showing up. And I really, really, really like that about the club. Last couple of things. No one really knows what to expect, I guess, from this league. It's like that with all new leagues. It was like that with MLS Next Pro. The coaches weren't really sure of what was going to happen because clubs are clubs are going at this in different ways. But what yeah. are you expecting from the league in this first year? What should fans expect from the TSS team? I, you know, I think it's going to be quite homogenous. I think the first year, because there's not that many um, clubs, it, it, it'll be quite a good standard. Um, I think over the next three, four years, if you get a few more teams, it, it initially, quote unquote, waters it down a bit, but becomes more about your club and what you've done in the past to develop players. So, you know, whether that's, you know, us or anybody else, you start to pick from your own a bit more rather than grabbing guys from around. Um, and I think that that's important for that long-term development of players. Um, my expectation is that it'll be close games almost all around. You know, I, I don't see anybody being right off the back and I don't see anybody running away at the front. Again, I think you probably said it before elsewhere as well, but that team gel of groups that have been together might be an X factor. And then, you know, what I do think is I think we're going to see some people that we've never seen before or talked about before um, get a chance. And, um, you know, this is important, really important. Let's think about it. The last time you were doing commentary, one team in the region at this level, and now seven, um, well, that's a lot more players we get a chance to put our eyes on. Um, and for BC soccer, important because we're not showing up at the top end of the pyramid and we're not showing up on the national team. And this is our chance to start uh, building something over the next decade. Oh, absolutely. I know that's something Colin and you have spoken about a lot to get BC guys back in the, the national team mix. So so last thing to ask you away from the pitch, it's obviously been a fantastic year for the club getting fan ownership, you've raised a lot of money that way, you've had a lot of investment, not just financially, but also sort of emotionally, and people yeah. are really invested in, in this team now. Just, you've, you've had a couple of months now since the, the first share issue closed, and then I know it got reopened again, but just looking back on that, what has this meant to you to see that people have bought into your vision and what you're trying to do here with TSS? Yeah, I mean it's pretty humbling, right? Like you, the the long the long tail of it though is you, you you hit a certain age, and you know that it's about leaving a legacy and and trying to leave something behind. Um, Three hundred plus owners now who uh, can walk into a stadium and say I own a part of that club, but also um, is there a better way to demonstrate your commitment to community and to build in that dream and that pathway? So really, when people lay their money down, it's it's, it's them saying. Um, I believe that there's something good happening here and um, maybe not just with us, but also just the league and that pyramid and the development of Canadian soccer. Like think about how many tiers there are in England um, you know, we're but two tiers. So, you know, the, the, everybody that we think is laying money down to become a shareholder and owner, we think is also saying, Hey, something good is happening here. We're going to the world cup. We're starting to develop, um, soccer in this nation at a higher, higher level level. And I am, um, yeah, I just, I just, I feel grateful that I'm, I get to be a small part of it. Um, for us, it's just huge to be able to say, Hey, Mike, 
thanks for being an owner and uh, thanks for committed to local soccer um, and, and the people who have the dreams of playing one day at a higher level. So to us, it's just a thank you, really. Yeah, it's great to be a part of this. It's great to have been a part of this since you, you got in in 2017. I won't be at the full game and commentating on Sunday because I'm going to be doing the Whitecaps game because of a time change, but I will be there for the second half of the men's game. Yeah, I'm going to watch that as an owner, a judgmental yeah. owner, so I'll be ask, <laughs> asking you tough questions after after the game anyway. But thank you for your time as always, Well, Good luck on Sunday. Good luck for the yeah. season to come. And we'll be chatting a lot in the, in the yeah, coming weeks. Come I'm down sure. with a tin and we'll cheers and we'll talk about all the hard stuff. That's cheers, great. mate. And a robe, and a robe, and a robe, and I'll go A robe, and a robe, and a robe, and I'll go And a robe, and a robe, and a robe, and I'll go So Will Cromack there, chatting all things TSS And they're, they're going to have a very exciting team to watch this season Number of key pieces to, to watch out there I said there, I don't want to single out too many individual players right now Until the season gets underway, but they're, they're looking good at the back. They've got a, a lot of good defensive guys in there. A couple of really promising centre-backs. Justin Sandu in goal is going to be a, a key player for them this year, you feel, as well. If you think back to previous TSS teams and how important Andrew Hicks was in goals for them, Justin Sandu could be that important piece for them this season. Mark Talasuna in the middle of the park, as I mentioned there. And up front, you, you've got like Eric Edwardson, Corin McMillan, Bradley Richardson, who's coming off an excellent season with Trinity Western. There's goals in this team. There's a lot of excitement in this team. Can't wait for it all to get started. Can't wait for the league to get started. As I mentioned there, it's really hard to to really know what to expect from a lot of the teams this year. Now, on the men's side, if you're asking me who the favourites are, some sort of power rankings, if you want, for the seven teams... I do have Varsity FC right at the top. My favourites to, to win the whole thing on the men's side this year. In part because of the chemistry that the team has got. The UBC Thunderbirds guys know each other's game inside and out. A lot of this group has also been together playing for VUFC Hibernian in the Vancouver Metro Soccer League in the second half of this season. Lifting the VMSL Imperial Cup as well in the process and finishing second in the Premier Division standings. They've made some other really big additions to kind of supplement that side of the team as well. Perhaps one of the biggest being Caleb Clark, former Thunderbird, still going to school at UBC, and obviously a former alumni from the Whitecaps Academy and the Whitecaps MLS roster as well. So I have them right up there at the, the top for me as to who might win it. Who they'll play in the championship game, I think is fully up for grabs. TSS Rovers are going to have a, a strong season. Definitely have them in my top four. Whitecaps under-19s as well, you certainly can't look past. But it's going to be a young team as well. A lot of those guys have experience in the Fraser Valley Premier Division this season as well. Going toe-to-toe -to -toe with a few of these guys. Altitude FC, for me, could be one of the surprise packages. I've watched FC Valley play... Uh, a bit this season and a number of those guys have come through the Valley Academy and the FC Valley team that plays in the Fraser Valley as well. I think for me that is my my top four. 
Unity FC will definitely also be there or there about the top four. They've got a big core of players from the Trinity Western Spartans and made some other really key uh, additions as well. Ellie Gindo for Matias' Rover in the back line there, taking on a coaching role at Unity. It's also going to be a very important player for them. Then I've probably got Victoria Highlanders as my sixth and Rivers FC as my seventh. As well said in this interview there though, don't expect blowout games, don't expect teams to be absolutely thumping other teams. These are all going to be close games and so much of this is going to be dependent on chemistry, who can get up and running really. It's a short season, it's a very compact season, highly looking forward to it on both the men's and the women's side. Let us know your thoughts as well, let us know who you think the strong contenders are going to be in League One this season on both sides. AFT in Canada on Twitter, AFT in Canada at hotmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. But let's turn our attention now to the women's side of things, and we're going to continue talking TSS as we sit down for a chat with the head coach of their women's side, Chelsea Hannison, and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Matteo Fuzzi, and you're listening to the AFTN show. Manned in, and I shoot it at the old saloon Heard his chest cut holes, now he's called for the boom 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 He'd blown half like a gunslinger Hell half none like a gunslinger Rode up on a real black beauty Shed a strong deputy's half jet Bull horns in his cowboy hat when the tools went boom Now the gun noise, blah 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 Peed a sweat on his neck for the scorching sun But he's cooling the gang, no Ice cold, tight jeans, sharp spurs, six shooter bandana, who the man know? High noon, everybody in this bitch lie down Only came for the rich tycoon and he's locked in Cunt snorry provoke him Blotty the chin, drap like a bowling pin you don't go, then you don't win You don't know if you don't sin <laughs> Every man made equal Except of capacity for evil Go to church if you want a hero Running around in the southern sun Everybody ducking for the buck Buck button coming for the gun Number one in his aim man Game time, people know his name Through the grapevine Money fame white Having a great time They shame up in his game He's just letting his hate shine Put the brakes to the main line Can you feel the sea change? I shit's about to get deranged Now land a southpaw on your loud jaw There's no a cowboy that I can't outdraw I'm a no-law Now land a southpaw on your loud jaw There's no a cowboy that I can't outdraw I'm an outlaw. Aye. Yeah. What's the bet? See, you step team press, get a pen full of red press. Next to your chest, get a tendency to snap tendons with stress. Then press MOG, rebels for the west. Yes, get a last year around your necks. Heavy and an app, love flex. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's been a while since we had some Scottish rap on the show, so I thought I'd bring it back for this episode. From Glasgow, rapper Mog and Empress, with their song just released a, a couple of days ago, called Outlaw. Of course, back in the day, TSS Rovers were kind of seen as something of outlaws in BC soccer. Colin Elms liked to brand himself as the soccer pirate, that was his avatar on Twitter as well. But they stuck at it, they worked hard, they're now a key part of BC Soccer, the development model in this province, from Academy now up to these two teams in League One BC. It's been fantastic to see their rise. It's been fantastic to be involved in that and, and been part of, of their success as well on the commentary and, and media side for them. Delighted to see that. We spoke to Will Cromack, head coach of the men's League One B side for TSS in the last part. 
In this part, we're going to turn our attention now to the TSS women's team and we're going to have a chat with head coach Chelsea Hannison. Now, Chelsea was appointed the TSS Rovers women's head coach in January. She's going to lead the team into their first League 1BC campaign, kicking things off on Sunday with a game against Unity FC, which is going to be a very tough game because such a big core of that Unity side is from the Trinity Western University Spartans, team that won the Canada West Championship this season with an unbeaten record, got all the way to the Canada West Championship game only to narrowly lose in the final of that one. So a very, very strong team and they've made a number of strong additions from outside the programme as well. Now, Chelsea Hannison previously has been a Whitecaps rec staff coach. She worked alongside Rian Wilkinson, amongst others, whilst part of the, the Whitecaps system. She brings a wealth of coaching experience in the girls' game. She's had spells at River City Soccer Club, Surrey United. She's the current assistant technical director with Langley United Soccer Association. She's previously been a staff coach with BC Soccer and is currently working with Canada Soccer as a coach developer for the youth licence and A-licence coaches. As a player herself, Hannison spent four years playing at Eastern Washington University, where she earned herself a reputation as something of a free-kick specialist. So we'll see if she can share some of those skills with the, the women on her side at TSS. She holds a Canada Soccer A-licence, a Canada Soccer Children's licence, and a BC Soccer Technical Director Diploma. She's a great addition to the TSS setup. And we're delighted now to have her on the show. Thank you for joining us for the first time, Chelsea Hannison. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm actually uh, excited to, to share a little bit about myself, the team and uh, the plans ahead. So this is great. So we're releasing this on Thursday, the day that we're actually doing the recording for this. So you're a couple of days out from the start of the League One season. How are you feeling just now? I am excited, anxious, um, curious how it's all going to come out and uh, just the anticipation is definitely building up but I think uh, these last couple of weeks now that the the full group is out and training and we've had everyone here and starting to get some foundation and structure within the group um, I'm over the moon excited. We, we spoke to Will about it on the men's side but right now no one really knows what to expect from the league the quality of the games the teams on the women's side there certainly looks like there's a possible gap between the top teams, and I have TSS in in that category, and maybe some of the other teams, just in terms of the level that some of these women have been playing at for the, the last year or so. What, what are you expecting from the league in this first season, from the women's side? Yeah, I mean, uh, just what the way that the league is um, marketed as and what it's meant to be and, and kind of the direction it wants to go. I expect every opponent to be organized. I expect every opponent to be um, of quality. And I and I expect the players to to compete at a level that's above that that what we've seen. And, you know, to to talk about the different directions that a lot of these female players have come that's just a, a reflection of the gap that we've had in our women's pathway. So yeah, you can sit there and say that 
there's a lot of players coming in from different directions. You've got U sport players, NC2A players. You've got some coming back from uh, professional leagues overseas. Uh, some that are just uh, coming from the MWSL. And again, like it doesn't necessarily mean anything as far as what you can uh, put a stamp on as, as expectations for the player's quality, because we've never really had that clear pathway. And that's not always an opportunity for everyone to go find. So it'll be interesting. I expect quality organization and um, that willingness to compete from everyone. So what have you seen from your squad so far in training? You've got a few weeks under your belt. I know you've had a couple of pre-season games as well. How how prepared are are the squads? It's obviously difficult because you're getting these women in from, from all over, whereas you've got the likes of, say, Varsity and Unity, who's had this group together for the whole winter season and then the whole spring season, and now they're, they're going into this league with a few additions here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think every team's going to have their own unique challenges on how they're preparing for the season. And our definite challenge is kind of getting that cohesiveness within our players and within our team in a very short time frame. Um, from what I've seen leading up to it and with all the players here now and, and um, having that commitment to buy into the foundation that we've put together in that short time, um, it's been very promising. So I was you know, curious to see how it was all going to come to place in such a short amount of time. But when you've got a bunch of players that have um, a similar mindset in how they like to play, uh, but also a mindset to compete and really showcase themselves, not only in a, a match day game, but in a friendly or in practice, like the competition level amongst the group we have within our own bubble is fantastic. And like I said, if you match that Um, recruiting process of bringing in players that have a similar playing style and a similar mindset in their actual playing and on field, but then you match it with their off field mentality, willingness to compete, willingness to commit themselves to the plan and the foundation. Um, It makes for an easier process for sure. Just to to let people kind of get to know you a a little bit better as well. We we did a kind of thing on the site, just profiling some of the coaches and for both the men and the women's side. So for yourself, you, you went and played college football at Eastern Washington University. How was that whole experience for you? And then when you finished the college game, and we talked about it a little bit here, there's not been a lot of opportunities for, for Canadian women once you finish playing in college. Yeah, um, I was... Like for my playing career, I was I was pretty blessed in the sense that um, I went in with a mindset of knowing I wanted to compete in NCAA. Um, had always uh, was striving for that you know the best quality soccer as far as where I was competing, who I was competing against, and ended up going to Eastern Washington and having an incredible experience. And it was one of those things where. Uh, my freshman year, I went in and, you know, everyone's preparing you Oh, as a freshman, you know, don't expect to start, don't expect to get all this playing time. And um, the way some of our roster situation went that year is a player that was a pretty um, crucial player within our, our group ended up uh, having an injury in the preseason. And she was a senior at the time. And the coach comes in and asks the freshman, you know, who's who's uh, has experience playing center back. I've never played center back before in my life. Put my hand up. I was like, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I could do it. No problem. And I'll never forget it. I uh, ended up getting uh, into the top 24 for the trip for the first trip of the season uh, and ended up playing, getting my letter 
for that season. I lettered that whole way through, started almost every game, really good stuff. At the end of the year, the coach goes uh, during the award ceremony, most improved player, Chelsea Hannison, come on up. And he's telling this story about how when I first went out as center back in the first game of the season, I looked like a deer in headlights and how I improved so much at the end of the year. And I uh, had to tell him afterwards, I'm like, I'm going to tell you a secret. This award wasn't exactly the most accurate because I truly had never played it before. And he's like, are you kidding me? No idea. And it was uh, pretty exciting because just to kind of like pull the wool over their eyes, just by having that belief in myself and having that understanding that I'll do whatever it takes to get on the field. Um, so that's just a funny little story in my, how my university career kind of kicked off successfully, but, uh, but yeah, then afterwards, you know, you finish your season in the fall and you still have a few months of school to go through. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is weird. Like going to school and not having a season. So I went out and looked for, uh, uh, the semi-pro league that was out in Spokane at the time. So I was able to play there and finish my school, continuing playing semi-pro. We flew out to California every second week because four of the teams were California teams. So I was enjoying it from that sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, then coming back home, it, there, was, there wasn't much. And, and that's kind of where it was, it was tough. And you don't really realize um, the broken pathway until you're kind of going through it. I guess as a player and you know there was times where I'm like oh do I fly out east and go to a combine do I go overseas and see you know uh, take my chances out there um or do you stick in the in the MWSL and and continue to compete and play and you know when you're in your early 20s to mid 20s and you're kind of hitting the peak of your playing after such a high from a university career it's it's tough to come back to for sure yeah I I've done commentary for UBC for the last few years and you just see the players that come out from like on the men's side as well before the CPL but like in the women's side the players that have come out really talented players from Canada West and then that's the end of their career there's mm -hmm. there's nowhere for them to go because not everyone wants to up and leave your your family and your friends and go overseas or move to the other side of the country mm -hmm. so I think everyone knows that something needs to change do you see it changing soon and there's always these rumors going about of yeah there's going to be an nwsl team somewhere in canada or there's going to be a, a professional women's league somewhere in canada do you see it happening in the next couple of years or are we still a, a good few years away from that do you think i think the timeline is really going to be dependent on um taking step forward, steps forward like we're doing with uh, with the league one that we have started here, but taking like, cautious steps forward in the sense of taking care of the leagues that we're starting to put in place. So league one right now is a great start, but now how do we maintain and make sure that we are really holding true to what that standard needs to be? Are we supporting the teams that um, are currently in the league one uh, franchises and are we supporting them to make sure that um, it's run at a sense that it's not only going to attract future players but we're going to continue to grow and become stronger and stronger so you know the timeline it, it's a tough one because it really just depends on the the support that you have around the league and um, how much attention we're putting in to keeping that quality up. Yeah, because I know the league's keen to expand and then you're kind of watering down the player pool and like both both sides of, of the teams as well. And 
I don't know whether they'll then end up making it smaller rosters just so that the player pool can be spread around and and you get more playing time. But this league is long overdue and it's exciting that it's here now. Now, for you as a coach, when did you first decide that you wanted to go down the, the coaching route? Was it when you kind of thought, well, there's not really playing opportunities. I still have a love for the game. I want to be involved. It's going to have to be coaching. Yeah. Yeah, that was part of it. Um, kind of going into uh, a little bit of a status quo as far as like my playing career was at. So it was kind of just shifting to the field in a different role. And I was there anyways and wanting to be there anyway. So let's let's see if we can make a career out of it. Um, I'll be honest, though, there was a time when I actually stepped completely away from the game in my mid-20s. Um, and we're talking as a player and as a coach because I truly... And I'm a, I'm, per, I'm a fairly confident person in anything that I do. Like I go in and I'm like, I'm, I'm doing this like full force. Um, I walked away thinking that I couldn't make this as a career. I couldn't do this. Um, I don't, I don't know if it was like the optics of not seeing a lot of women out there. Maybe it was mm. um, just not seeing that it was possible. I, I don't know what it was that kind of deterred me away, but I followed a different career path for a little bit. We're talking a very short time because I moved across the country um, and out to Toronto to follow that career path. And it was probably three to four months of stepping completely away. And I was getting that itch and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? I'm missing the field. I need to get back at it somehow. And coincidentally, someone had uh, contacted me over LinkedIn out in Toronto and got me back into coaching saying, hey, noticed you have this license. Are you interested? So I got back into it. And the moment that I realized that this is my path, this is what I want to do for a living, I'm going to do this was that particular club in Ontario offering a full-time role and kind of giving me that decision. And, and um, again, back in BC, there was another offer that kind of came in at the same time. And it was now, okay, now I know that I'm going to be coaching. Am I going to live on this side of the country or this side of the country? And then it just kind of snowballed from there. So yeah, it was a funny, funny way to go about it and just shows the importance of um, getting more female coaches that are capable and certified. And, and there's tons out there, but putting them on the forefront so that we can see and believe that, the, that that's possible. Yeah, because when I was doing my profile pieces on all, all the coaches, um, I hadn't realized how few on the women's side in the league were actually women. Mm -hmm. And, but this league, it's hopefully going to open up more of these opportunities. And but I know that you're kind of you're coaching the next level of coaches as well through through BC soccer. Are you finding there are a lot of women wanting to get involved, or do you think that now that this league's here, it's going to get more interest? Absolutely, I think this is um, not only a great stepping stone for the uh, the players um, and that's obviously the first priority there but for for coaches and there's tons out there yeah when when I'm doing this stuff with uh, Canada soccer for coach development and BC soccer as well there's a lot of capable female coaches out there that um, honestly just haven't been showcased for whatever reason or um, are starting to gain some traction and and the opportunities with League One are going to be as we as we go along here each season um just insurmountable for those for those coaches that want to get out of the the youth clubs or the university um environments or whatever it might be just more opportunities definitely opens more doors for the women that are coaching in Canada in BC and they're already there like I said it's just now 
uh, getting those opportunities pushed their way. So you're also the assistant technical director uh, with Langley. And I know that Langley's got a big soccer community there and Langley United's done lots of stuff in the Fraser Valley League and at youth level as well. So you've also been in the white cap system as well. You work with Rianne Wilkinson. Long term for you, what, what, what's, your, what's your goal as a coach? Do you want to get involved in the professional level, Canada level with national teams? I'm always trying to push the boundaries. There's always uh, my, the wheels are always turning in my head on like, okay, what's next. Um, so obviously I'm pretty uh, present in the projects that I'm working on now. And um, the support system that I have um, around me, as far as like finding opportunities to continue to learn and continue to grow is incredible. Like you said, the um, my full-time job is working at Langley United Soccer Association and having two colleagues there, uh, Mark Parker and Azad Palani, who have not only opened up opportunities for me to continue to grow, um, but they challenge me too. So, you know, Mark's been my support system since I, my very, very early days of, of starting to coach. Um, and then was the one that basically said, well, you should start this license. So why not? Why not? Like whenever I started to be like, oh, um, are you sure? Do I like, do you think it's worth it? That sort of thing. And it was just always that little gentle nudge that I needed to be like, okay, yeah, let's do it. Um, and then with Azad, you know, he's given me opportunities to work with his men's prem team. Um, you know, I'm not doing much as far as like in the, the sessions or anything like that just yet, but, um, being at the games with him on the bench and, and seeing how he leads that group of, of men's premier players, out on the field and just kind of adding my thoughts and challenging my thoughts um, just helps me continue to grow as a coach in a different environment outside of the youth teams too. So yeah, having the support system has been fantastic. And then uh, working with Rian Wilkinson was probably one of the highlights of, of my coaching opportunities. And I even, when I went up to her, I said, I'll pick up cones, I'll do whatever you want. I just want to listen to what you have to say and how you run things. And it was probably one of the best things I could have done at that point in my coaching career, um, just to pick up um, different experiences and, and, and different ways of coaching and how she interacts with her players. But she's, she's gold. She's absolute gold. And it was a, a joy to work with her. So as far as like my, my uh, goals go as a coach, I will go as far as it will take me. National team is definitely something that I want to be a part of on the technical side uh, at some point. Um, and then ultimately coaching professionally. Obviously the women's game in the States recently and here with the Whitecaps, there's, there's been issues, whether it's verbal or physical abuse and everything like that. You're involved in the youth side of things. Do you have parents concerned just about how safe everything is at the moment? All the time. I mean, you, you're challenged every day to not only provide an environment um, that is going to develop these players, but you're ultimately in a role where you're um, mentoring, you're guiding, you're providing a safe space for your players. And so, you know, you get questions all the time from, from parents and, and guardians, just kind of more so looking out for what's in the best interest for their child. And it keeps you on your toes. It really does. And so, you know, just making sure that you're doing the governance side of things and being diligent with that, that's, that's the easy step. But then also the ethical side where, you know, you're constantly just questioning 
um, you know, how you're going about certain situations, certain conversations, word choices, um, follow-ups and having that maintenance side and not only like creating an environment that's safe, but now you're, you're working with players that are starting to get to that age of, you know, performance-based, um, uh, environment. And what I mean by that is with, you know, the BCSPL, it's, it's relatively performance-based and mostly development. And then you get to the, the Whitecaps Rex program where it is performance-based and very quickly those players could be, um, released back into an environment that they just came from and teaching and, and preparing those players for moments like that is, is key. And if we don't do that, then we're not kind of managing, um, the mental health and the safety of the of the players when they're going through this for the first time ever. So just having uh, you know the importance of of creating that development space, but then also that that ethical and governance side being um, incredibly important when preparing them for that next step. Oh, absolutely. And just the the last thing, not going to ask you to single out any players, not going to ask you to give away too many secrets, but. What is a Chelsea Hannison TSS team going to look like on the pitch? The best thing about it, and it's okay, there's no secrets here. Um, we've got a talented group, uh, but there's a whole, I would say almost every single one of them has um, a lot of similarities in how they're playing. So what you can expect from this group is um, they're going to have a very similar playing style across the, the 27 roster that we have. They're going to have a mindset to compete and to battle for each other. Um, and a lot of it, to be honest, is, is very much like um, a sisterhood. And even though they're coming from different directions, like I said, U-Sport, NCAA, some are coming from uh, professional environments, some from the MWSL, they have come together real quick. Um, and a lot of it's nostalgia. They played with each other at some point early on in their in their playing careers and so they're coming back full circle almost and so you're gonna see a group of women that are talented committed to our playing style um but also they're gonna put on a show they will compete and not only for their supporters but for each other and and i'm really excited to see it all come together me too looking forward to, to seeing the the team out in the pitch as i, I mentioned i won't see the first game but I will be at the rest of them so good luck it's been a pleasure chatting to you and good luck for the rest of the season I'll be pestering you post game for interviews at the end over the season as well so I'll, I'll talk to you soon that's awesome thank you so much I appreciate it great stuff there from Chelsea Hannison really exciting to see what she's going to do with this TSS Rovers women's team as we touched on there, a number of interesting players and prospects to watch for on this team. I've got to say that whilst on the men's side, I think there's going to be a lot of close games, there's going to be a, a lot of parity. I think there is a little bit of a, a gulp in quality between the, the top teams that's going to be in League One BC on the women's side and the teams kind of that's probably not going to be in the top four. The top two teams do go through to the championship game at Swan Guard on BC Day on August 2nd. We did our, our quick power rankings for the, the men's side in the last part, just to do it on the women's side as well. Hard to see for me past the big two of Unity FC and Varsity FC. I, I think I might just be giving Unity the edge just because of what Trinity Western did 
in the the women's college game last year, but I think they're going to be run very close by Varsity FC. I would expect those two teams to be battling it out in the final. Just behind them, you've got to look at the, the Whitecaps women's side as well. There's a lot of players involved with the Canadian national team set up at, at under-17 level involved in this team and under-19, under-20 as well. Then for me, I've got TSS probably fourth in the, the picking order in the, the women's power rankings right now. Then I, I do feel there is going to be a, a bit of a drop-off. You've got Victoria Highlanders, you've got Rivers FC. A lot of the players that make up those rosters are players that's been in Canada West with Uvic Vikes in Highlanders' case, Thompson Rivers University on the women's side for Rivers FC, and also the Highlanders have added a lot of players that's with UNBC Okanagan because the the coach on the men and the women's side with the Highlanders are also the coaches with the UBCO Heat. Now, all three of those universities had a, a challenging Canada West season, it has to be said. So for me, that's why I've got those two teams outside the top four. You've also then got Altitude FC. It's going to be tough for them as well. A number of their players are playing in the, the sort of college level below Canada West, Pac West level, Douglas Royals, Capilano Blues, Langara Falcons, teams like that. So I think those three teams are going to be outside the top four and they're just going to be battling for fifth, sixth and seventh. Hard to really put your finger on where they're going to be playing because again, it's all chemistry, lack of avoiding injuries and stuff like that. So it's going to be a fun season to watch. Really excited to be a part of this. If you want to hear us do the commentary, if you want to watch the games, obviously nothing beats getting out to the games in person. But if you're not able to do that or you just want to watch from home, check out hometeamlive.com where you can sign up to their streaming pass there and get all the games for League One BC from start to finish. Kicks off on May 22nd with the championship game at Swan Guard on BC Day. Monday, August the 2nd. And that is nearly it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. But of course we can't go without bringing you this week's Wavelength. And Football Violence Awareness Month continues here at AFTN for me. And we're going back to 1988 and a band from Blackpool, England. They're called The Membranes. This is a song from their album, Kiss Ass Godhead. This is Long Live the Hooligan.
the membranes there. Long live the hooligan. Football Violence Awareness Month will continue next episode. So that is it for this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show. We will be back with another show on Monday where we're going to delve into the game in Charlotte, look ahead to the, the game in Calgary on Wednesday as well, talk a little bit about all the Ferrari around Canada versus Iran. Wanted to talk about that tonight, but I thought I'll wait a couple more days just to see if there's any more developments with regards to that. But we will be back then. Hopefully Steve will be able to rejoin us for that one as well. He should be back from the, the trip that he's on just now. But just before we go for this episode, Zach, where can folk find you online? Any final thoughts or anything that you learned this week? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary Ann. I want to give, uh, I don't know if I gave them props for this before, but I want to once again thank, uh, thank Rangers Football Club for eliminating Dead Bull. Uh, Dead Bull Leipzig from the uh, the Europa Liga, and I want to congratulate uh, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, for quality display in the stands and uh, a victorious penalty shootout victory to uh, win their first Europa Liga or second UEFA Cup or however you want to however you want to categorize that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, uh, an interesting day, and uh, we're all in this. I guess in this kind of end of season trophies uh, are being handed out or won or cups are being completed. And so, yeah, today was kind of kicking that off in the European side of things. The women's champions league is this Saturday. Next Wednesday is the, what's it called? The conference, the, uh, the conference league. Yes. Conference league. Is that what it's called? I think it is. I think so. That's Roma from the fine arts. So that'll be interesting. And then of course on the 28th will be, <sighs> will be the Champions League final. So, yeah, lots going on. Hmm. It's crazy to to see Rangers in a European final today because, like, eight years ago, they were in the same league as East Fife. That could have been us. That had, was playing Eintracht Frankfurt if our paths had just gone in different ways. It would be the battles of the EF... FC. EFFCs. Yeah. I am Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada. Give us a like, subscribe, turn on notifications, all that malarkey on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFT in Canada. Check out all my Provincial Cup videos on oh, there yeah. as well. Because I've Good been job. a busy lad this month. I've loved it. It's been some fantastic stuff in the, the Provincial Cup. Congratulations to all the winners in that, especially for BB5 United CCB. Paying wonderful tribute to Brandon Bassey. Their, their mm-hmm. goal was to have his name for perpetuity on the, the Provincial Cup as the ultimate honour for him because mm. Brandon tragically passed away in a car accident two weeks after CCB, as they were then, won the Provincial Cup in 2019. They've now gone back to back. They've honoured him in fantastic fashion. So that was lovely to see on Sunday. You can check out the highlights on YouTube for that. League One BC season kicks off on Sunday. Looking forward to that. If you don't want to hear us on the stream, get out of the games. It's the best way to see them. But we will be back soon chatting about all local, national, international football. Until then, as always, thanks for listening. Take care, stay safe, and mon the caps! Go into your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's gonna stay with you for life. 
Et...